Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Grr, I go. That's some bad hat, Andrew. It's a good show. Not a doctor. Bye, have a beautiful from you, love. Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel Season 4. Damask Leary, mm-hmm. you're a real life person in front of me. I know, we're in the <laughs> same state, can you believe it? In the it? same room even, which I is know. even Crazy. more nuts. It really is. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, you know, you arrived on Thursday. Yes. Um, many beverages have been drunk since, and today I was feeling a bit rough. It's taken its toll. It's taken it its has toll. taken its toll. How are you? On the day that I was like, this is the day we should do the podcast recording. <laughs> yeah, sure. I was so tired. Great. So that might come through a little bit, but hopefully not. I'm feeling much better. It's funny. I've, I arrived in the state in a horrendous state. You did. You did. Uh, first impressions of Perth were that the moment I flew over the border, I started throwing up. <laughs> <laughs> While not uncommon, still on the plane, mm-hmm. and then proceed to do that for about another twelve hours. Um, I've since recovered pretty well. This is the first day I've felt really human, mm-hmm. and of course, is the day that you feel. But I feel like absolute ab- trash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, standard stuff. Mm. But it's exciting to do the podcast in person together. It's been so long. I know it's feeling quite retro actually doing it this way, <laughs> not having the delay and stuff. It'll be good. All right, should we just get straight into it? Yes, when I figure out my mind. <laughs> Let's get to our spoiler-free review of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel Season 4. Let me clue you in. Season in review. Although it's been two pandemic-filled years since we last saw Midge and Susie, Season 4 picks up just moments after our two heroines watch their dreams seemingly fly away. Amy Sherman-Palladino and Daniel Palladino remain the core creative forces behind the show, joined again by the same award-winning talent we've had since Season 1, accompanied by the new cast members Kaylee Carter, Reed Scott, Gideon Glick, Santino Fontana, Alfie Fuller and Kelly Bishop. Releasing two episodes a week rather than all at once, as they have with previous runs, Maisel Season 4 consists of eight episodes, each coming in at around 57 minutes and took us approximately seven hours and 35 minutes to watch. On February February 17th, 2022, it was announced that The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel would be renewed for a fifth and final season. Mm. So, Damask, before mm-hmm. we get to our spoiler-free reviews, can you remind the audience what you have thought of the previous three seasons of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Yep. So, I really enjoyed season one. I remember that very clearly. I was like, oh, this show is really cool. I used to watch Gilmore Girls with my mum, mm-hmm. so I was familiar with Amy Sherman Palladino, I think that's how that's her name, right? Yep. I always forget her name. Yeah, so I, I have liked some of her stuff in the past, particularly when I was a teenager. Never got into Bunheads. That looked terrible to me. Was that before or after Gilmore Girls? After. after. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I really enjoyed season one. It was uh, very different from what 
you know, anything else that was on TV at the time. I was like, okay, this is cool. Really like the character of Midge. Um, it's an interesting story told in a pretty humorous way. Um, and I have enjoyed season two and three. Um, I don't think anything really reached the heights of season one perhaps, but sure. I have really, really enjoyed it, yeah. I've really enjoyed the show from start to finish mm. or start from the first three seasons through. Uh I really love the pilot in season one. I think mm. I watched that a couple of times. I thought it was a really, really strong opening. And then uh, season two, I, it has been interesting. The show has seemingly gotten weirder as as it's gone on as well. It's gotten mm-hmm. a little bit more cartoonish and fantastical in some mm. ways. Um, and season two had this series of like three episodes, I think, in the middle where it was set in the Catskills. I remember that very clearly. That yeah. I now, I can't remember what my thoughts were at the time, but I now look back on it as going, geez, that was a real high point in the show. It was. Like, I think we felt that at the time yeah. as well. We enjoyed it. It was such a weird like side thing that was going on and not side thing at the same time, which mm. is very different from what the rest of the show had been at that point and set a bit of a, a tone shift. Um, and three was fine. I, I liked it a lot still. I think I gave it a 3.5. Um, but... I did wonder where things were going. Mm-hmm. It felt like it was a little bit scattershot. It was maybe touching on issues it hadn't before, particularly because it wasn't a particularly diverse cast before that. Mm-hmm. They add some diversity into the mm. show. They start to talk about things from a different perspective, but it didn't necessarily feel like it was adding up to a whole lot. No. Or it wasn't obvious where the story was going in the long run. And my concerns were that this show, would it just continue to do... It's thing, which is very stylistic and very fun, or would it find a way to sort of focus itself to come to something more profound or more focused before the end? Not that we knew where the end was going to be. Um, so that was my lead. How was feeling at the end of season three? So with that in mind, Damas, could you give us your review of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel season four? Sure. I feel like I'm repeating myself a little bit because we had this conversation last <laughs> night after a couple of bevies. It, it was but, a great um, rehearsal. It was. I don't remember a thing. All right. Okay. <laughs> so, look, I've been a fan of this show since its debut in 2018, as we just discussed. I think Rachel Brosnahan's Midge, you know, is a type A wonder for much of the show's run. And I really have previously enjoyed that. I think this season perhaps is Midge's flop era. She's still, you know, fast talking and wisecracking, but her charm for me has worn off a little. Um, And it does seem to be purposeful. We have Midge in a space where she isn't sure how to move forward. She's stagnant, maybe perhaps afraid and, you know, pretending not to be. And for me, it was all just pretty annoying to watch um, her in this stage She doesn't feel like much of an underdog anymore, uh, but is instead a woman with incredible privilege and access, wasting her time and the audiences, it felt like anyway. I'm still a fan of Susie, and it's nice to see her character spread her wings and do a little soaring, although it may eventually end up being an Icarus situation next season. Who knows? I've got a couple of um, concerns about her financial situation. Uh, I'm still baffled as to why I'm being forced to spend so much time with Joel, his club, and his new lady. Scenes with Joel so often feel like a bad play, and I just want the writers to please, please, please make it stop. Mrs. Maisel, the show seems to be in love with its own charm. And I used to be, but I need a little more than charm. I've grown a little tired of the rapid fire dialogue with very little being said. 
I just want to feel something. And many of this season's episodes left me feeling cold and distant. There were moments that made me chuckle and moments that did echo something similar to human emotion. (laughs) But for much of the season's runtime, it felt really flat. It wasn't until I think episode four where we get to see a bit of real investment from Midge in her friendship with Susie and I began to feel some affection for our protagonist. I was I was really missing that, uh, that kind of Midge and Susie fun. They're apart a lot this season. They They're are. sort of on their own paths through a lot of the season. And that and it has been a massive draw for the entire show is yes. their like dynamic has been so strong. Yeah, because you know, Midge is naturally insufferable and I think that is part of her charm a little bit particularly when stood next to someone like Susie who is the one to like cut her down in you know various humorous ways you know I think the story of this season self-sabotage is hard to pull off without creating serious frustration in your audience and for some viewers this season may have worked but for me it really didn't I felt like my time was being wasted you know, some goodwill was won back at the very, very, very end, but the lack of movement and an arc was just not satisfying. I wish I had more positive things to say. This season isn't bad, bad, but it certainly isn't good, good. Sure. Uh, I'm going to be the other side of the coin, I think, mm-hmm. to what you're saying for the most part. And it's not that I disagree with you. And we, a lot of, it was funny in the discussion we had last night, there's probably going to repeat a lot of mm. on the podcast today. I think we both understood each other's perspectives yeah, totally. fine. It just really comes down there was to so your much, perception um, and taste. I don't disagree with you at all. Yeah. There was a lot of that. <laughs> it just comes down to your perception or your taste yeah. or what were the things that were working enough or were the things that weren't working too much, I think. Mm. And so, like, the question I posed during my little um, recap of how I felt about the first three seasons was, like, where is this show going? Is it just going to continue to be um, entertaining and rest on its laurels as sort of this very flashy and sleek show that's got this high energy fast dialogue sort of thing going on that I have really enjoyed or is going to go somewhere else and that was the big question of this season where did end season four end up um honestly I think it's a little early to say in some weird ways mm-hmm. probably the the takeaway and where I'm going to end up this review is just talking about how because especially now that we know season five is going to be the last one and a lot of shows do do this it seems like the setup to the the finale. It seems like the build-up to the end game. Mm, eight episodes of build-up. Oh, boy. Which, yes, which mm. is can be frustrating. And so and and so much of it comes into perspective late. So, yeah. Firstly, I do want to say, though, whatever magic is weaved into The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and has been weaved into it since season one continues to work for me on its fourth season for the most part. Um, the show is... Just as effective as it ever was, I think, at doing... Particularly the thing it's doing that no other show on television it's doing. And I think this is a taste thing we were talking about yesterday as well. Mm. Is like this very theatrical, one-shot, long takes, Mm. very... And it's very Amy Sherman-Palladino and Daniel Palladino that Gilmore Girls-style rapid-fire dialogue... Mm -hmm. Like it's rehearsed, it doesn't feel natural at all. It is very unnatural, but it's just like bam, bam, bam. Everyone feels like they they know their lines and hitting their marks. But the way the show is produced, the way it's shot in those big long takes, the way those setups are done, I find still very engaging and quite spectacular. I really enjoy the thrill and the ride of it. Almost like I was at a show where you're sort of watching this balancing act take place. Mm. And I always wonder, it's like, how many takes does it take them to get one of these things down? Because watching them do it and hit it, 
I don't know. I still find thrilling and very entertaining. Um, I just love the show's energy for the most part. It works on me consistently. I love the way the show is shot. I love the way that room is made for, for, for performances where it's not as, it's never going to be as like intimate as other shows mm-hmm. because the camera is very rarely going to get close enough or like um, the, the, the shows get very rarely going to get quiet enough to have those moments. Mm. But that's just not the style of the show. Mm. And for what it is, I still really enjoy it. Um, it dazzles me with how they make this show. And I think the performers, for the most part, bar maybe a couple, mm-hmm. really, really work within that context. Particularly mm-hmm. like um, Alex Borstein the, yep. and um, Rachel Brosnahan and yep. Tony Shalhoub. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they never miss, I don't think, with all that stuff when they're going. Um, however... While that was working for me, I also feel that a lot of people are going to be frustrated. And I was frustrated with the show, or at least with Midge, mm-hmm. for large section, sections of this season. Yes. However, I also think that frustration is arguably intentional. And yeah, I think so. for me, did pay off. So it's impossible to say without going to spoilers. And we're going to talk a lot about this when we do get past the ad break. But suffice to say... This is the most challenging season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel so far. Mm -hmm. A show that hadn't been particularly challenging up to this point, I think, except for maybe feeling that last season didn't really have, wasn't going anywhere particularly. Um, A criticism I had last year that this show was getting more and more cartoony, and again, this season is no exception, particularly with the introduction of a magician character. Oh, my God. Who seems to authentically be magic. (laughs) <laughs> like there's no rational explanation yeah, apart from him being Yeah, there's a wizard. He's a season. wizard. Yeah. There's a wizard in this show now. And it's not an important part of the show, but it does leave me going a little bit Why? What, what the fuck now? show? I'm like, I it's like, is this meant to be funny? Like I the way that they made him speak and the fact that yes, he seems to be genuinely magical. magic. <laughs> um was more confounding. Like I yeah. was just like I didn't understand why it was happening to me. I would argue it has been sort of, it has been going in that direction for a while. Mm. Season two, the Catskill stuff was very strange in a way the previous seasons hadn't been. Um, It's been a long time since I watched season three, but I feel like there were some cartoony elements in that as well, uh, particularly around Sophie Lennon and stuff like that in season three. Mm. She's always been really larger than life, not magical, but like, (laughs) you know, out there. And... I guess if you're along for that ride, you'll be fine. But it's worth mentioning to people that if, like, if you want this show to remain grounded and not have little legitimate, like, wizards in it, maybe this show's not for you anymore. Just putting it out there. Yes. Um, I think also maybe the writers have given up trying to write jokes. Like, Mm. joke jokes. It's been a long time since me just had a believable stand-up set. Or that the Nitro Fast dialogue has been like really funny. But I do find that it's at least enjoyable and amusing, even if it's just the performance and the construction of the scene, which again is yeah. what I find very impressive about the show, yeah. especially because it's so it's so singular on television. You're gonna say something? Yeah, I think the rapid fire without the same level of humor, mm. I think is why it might be grating on me so sure. much. I, you know, I was blown away in previous seasons with one, yeah, all that stuff that you're saying is impressive in terms of how the show is like, or the scenes themselves are constructed. Mm -hmm. And um, 
built and then played out. All that stuff is amazing. But I really miss the comedy part of Mrs. Maisel. It just feels like it's trying – it's like the cadence there of them telling you a joke is still there, but there aren't any yeah. jokes in it. And I, that just, it feels less than to me. And so if you want to argue they're resting on their laurels, they're resting on that the performers just by nature of their charm, particularly mm. Alex Borstein and Rachel Brosnahan and Tony Shalhoub, just seem to, to, they're so enjoyable to have on screen interacting with each other that even non-jokes tend to be enjoyable or fun or I'm there and enjoying that much of the show, if that makes sense. Mm. But, yeah, you do wonder where the writers get away with some stuff then because they just let the actors sort of charm their way through it. Um, There also seems to be more grandiose speeches than previous years, (laughs) which might be a sign of the show heading towards emotional catharsis as it heads into the final straight. But I thought that was worth bringing up as well. Um, Another Mm, key issue... I think that's cheap emotion, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure, and maybe Mm. that is. We'll talk more about that in spoilers. That's something you brought up yesterday as well. and yeah, the, the question of the focus of this season, what's, and last season I asked this, what's the drive? What's the arc of that season? Um, is it just a bunch of stuff happening? Uh, it's very fun stuff sometimes, but just stuff. And I did feel that way about season four for a while, but the ending, and it does come late, but by the end, I did feel like I understood what the thesis of the season was. It mm. wasn't clear early on, but when it did come into focus, it was like, okay, I do under. I understand what this is all building up to. Does that make the stuff that came before it better? That really depends on you and how much you might have been enjoying it up to that point anyway, Mm. how frustrated you were or whether you're willing to be able to sort of recontextualize that and go, okay, now I think about that again. Or if I were to revisit that, I'm not going to be so frustrated next time. How successful this season truly is though, won't really be known until we get to that fifth and final season. Because as I said, this really is sort of a build up to the climax of the show. And that's a difficult thing to do. And we've talked about this in the past when we're reviewing seasons mm. is we try and review them as they are. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I can try and do that now or I can try and do it on the assumption of why I think season five will be. But yeah. we just don't have that context yet. And if you, without that context, I, I, like this isn't as strong a season as the previous ones was. No. It it's also like hard, you know, knowing that, okay, I, there's a show that I really like. Season four, awesome. Sit down, watch it, spend, what is it, like seven hours or nearly something? Nearly eight hours, yeah. Nearly eight hours with this show. As a – for the craze to take that and just use the entire thing as a build-up mm-hmm. for another season that, I don't know, is two years away or something, is genuinely annoying to me. Sure. I'm like, I understand, like, setting stuff up and building up, absolutely. But at least make that season itself – an interesting journey to watch. And it wasn't until, yeah, if you get to that last, those last moments, recontextualize it. Sure. I won't be recontextualizing it. (laughs) I had my experience as a viewer watching it from episode to episode. And it, yeah, it was less than. The, it would, could be different too. If like, We've seen a lot of shows now that do the final season split into two parts, um, Breaking Bad and The Sopranos, and they sort of do it almost because they know that they're going to have to spend a chunk of episodes or a season essentially building up. Mm -hmm. So rather than sort of go, 
well, let's have a shitty season. It's like, well, let's make this the first half of that last season. It's mm. almost like they contextualize it beforehand yeah. to, to, to get past that criticism in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, Mad Men does that as well to some degree. Not that you've seen that show yet. It does the split season thing mm. as well. And I do wonder if this wasn't a two-year break or we didn't expect it might be another two years until we get the final season. I don't think they even know how many episodes they're doing for the final season yet, although production has started, I believe. Um, yeah, if this comes later this year, maybe it won't feel as bad. But right now, two years after the final one, it's like, oh, I waited two years for this. That's yeah. a bit disappointing. Yeah. Uh, final score and ranking. How would you score this out of five stars? And if you have any thoughts on where this would place amongst the other seasons. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's not bad, bad. Like I think for probably a lot of people, you know, it was what they wanted. They got their... They got their midge and, you know, some quips here, <laughs> fast dialogue, all that stuff. Um, it's still a like a solid show. It's not a bad show. Um, but I, um, I'm tossing up between a 3 and a 3.5. Probably a th- For me, for my personal it's, enjoyment. It's, a, it's definitely a 3 It's a you. 3. Yeah, that feels right. Yeah, that's mm. fine. I'm giving you a 3.5. I'm not going any higher than that. Yeah. I think it's... I think it's it can be excellent at times, and mm. other times it's it's merely decent. It, it still looks never beautiful, bad. and the performances it are looks good. incredible. Yeah. I am charmed by most of the cast most of the time. I never feel like I'm having a bad time with the show. If that Sometimes makes sense, I do, but yeah, that's why it's a three mm. for you. I yeah. don't, I never really feel like I was having a bad time, with the exception of maybe a couple of sequences. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's not like it's a habit or a frequent thing. If that makes sense, yeah. Yep. Um, and I think there's even been weaker parts of the show, particularly in season one, as much as I love that. Like, I remember episode two of that season being a real come down from how good the pilot was and mm. stuff like that. So, you know, it's it's got some missteps here and there. It's definitely the weakest season for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will be interested to revisit this again once we do get that final season. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to ask everyone who enjoys the show to please review us on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. Nothing helps the show to grow more than by throwing five stars or a glowing review our way. And to sweeten the deal, if we reach 25 written reviews, we will finally review Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1. 
We'd also love you to share hunting seasons with anyone in your life that obsessively wants to talk to you about the latest TV show they've watched. Shove this in their face. It'll make them super happy. In two weeks' time, we'll be back with our review of Our Flag Means Death Season 1. Mm. If you'd like to contribute to our discussion of Our Flag Means Death, or if you have any thoughts on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, you can write to us or send us an audio recording that we may include on a future episode to contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or find us on Twitter at Hunting S cast, but right now let's talk spoilers for The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel Season 4. Deep Dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. I want to start our deep dive discussion uh, mm-hmm. with a piece that was written to us from listener of the show, GJ Corbin. GJ has contributed a few times in the past, and mm-hmm. I really appreciate listening to their thoughts. Anyway, this is what they wrote. If I were to sum up The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel's fourth season in a single word, it would be stagnant. Throughout all this season, Midge doesn't learn to grow in any way, be it character or career-wise. She never grapples with the horror of how she ended the third season Mm -hmm. and remains largely indignant at her mistreatment by Shy and his team. If you want to interrupt any stage to add anything, by the way, please do. Yeah. Um, Abso-fucking-lutely, GJ. (laughs) Like, even at the very beginning of this season... You know, Midge is left on the tarmac um, and she's riding back in this taxi, a taxi which she then starts pummeling because she's so (laughs) angry. And I was like, she's a fucking bitch. She's so selfish. Anyway, and yes, obviously she doesn't really reckon with certainly not for much of the season. The fact that she like out of this guy and this is her punishment, rightly so. Like, anyway, just starting off that season being like, fuck you, Midge. Go, go we'll, forth, we'll, we'll come back to the shy stuff. GJ continues, she pig-headedly decides to refuse opening act gigs, d- gigs despite her lack of status, refusing incredible offers only to break this rule multiple times for no real good reason. <laughs> See the TV gig with Sophie, the political fundraiser, and the strip club. While none of these are opening gigs by name, they are all what she decides she wouldn't take anymore, playing support for someone other, some other performance slash purpose. Mm. She spends most of this season settling back into her old house um, where her steps forward change step step steps towards change, sorry, is limited to bedroom feng shui. She doesn't develop her platonic slash complicated relationship with Joel or her parents or Susie, though admittedly she did try there, nor did she develop a new romance or friends with anyone significant. This is not a new issue for Midge or the marvelous Mrs. Maisel or ASP's work. Uh, Amy Sherman-Palladino. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gilmore Girls is often criticised for how little the main characters grow and change despite seven seasons remain the fun but self-absorbed assholes we first meet in the pilot despite se- seven seasons, two or three weddings and ten different relationships between mother and daughter duo. Uh, spoil- slight spoilers for Gilmore Girls, by the way, but, you know, the show is 20 years old. I think, <laughs> yeah. this point. I think this is why the reaction to the Gilmore Girls revival was so negative, because even after 15 or so years after the finale and one wedding and at least one relationship off screen, Rory and Lorelai Laure- mm-hmm. are still the exact same. Fun, but self-absorbed ass- assholes who come across a lot worse in 2019 than 20 2003. Yeah. Maisel season four is the most stagnant any ASP character has been, except this time it seems to be deliberate and self-aware. While Midge treads water, Abe gets a new job. Rose soars success and also starts a war. Susie gets a new client um, as or more amazing than Midge. Joel and May start a family. Lenny hits it big. Sophie crawls back into relevance. Everybody around her moves onward and upward, Mm -hmm. leaving Midge behind. 
And then in the finale, Lenny spells this out to Midge. He calls her out on her bullshit, only the bit he sees, but nonetheless, it's the first time an ASP main character is called out, is forced to face the stagnation, which promises that in the final season of Maisel, that might all change. We might finally see an Amy Sherman Palladino character complete an arc, only 12 <laughs> seasons and 20 years too late. That, of course, is reliant on season five actually delivering. The quality of season five is the difference between season four being set up and fluff. How do you feel about GJ's assessment of Marvel's Mrs. Maisel season four? And well, just I'm generally realizing- how it like reflects back on um, Amy Sherman, Sherman Palladino and her previous work as well. Yeah, I'm realizing you've just stolen all of their work. <laughs> Pardon? All of your, your opinions about the show. I'm like, oh, you just read JJ's. No, no, we had this discussion. No, no, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, we had a good back and forth, JJ and I, yeah, no, as we I, always do. Thank you, JJ. I do agree, I agree with what they're saying um, in terms of uh, the stagnation um, being purposeful. Yes. I, I understand that. Um, and as they say, Lenny says it. Right at the end there, like explicitly calls out Midge um, on her bullshit. All that stuff is there. I agree. Um, Was it, as I've said multiple times, enjoyable to watch? No, Mm -hmm. it it wasn't. Um, In terms of uh, Amy and Palladino's work previously, yeah, it really speaks to the different times – when those shows were created, I think like, and GJ's absolutely right. When the Gilmore Girls, when Gilmore Girls came back, one, it was just terribly written. It was just a shit show. It was so bad. Um, but yeah, it was really hard to take characters like that and enjoy watching them be terrible people mm-hmm. without that that much needed kind of being called out, um, being held accountable, or at least being able to openly mock their terribleness, which I think is so often important with characters yeah. like that. Um, so, yeah, I think Mrs. Maisel's goodwill at the beginning um, was around her being an underdog. Yeah. And so the the jerkiness you could see is like, well, it's, you know, how you – defend and live as a woman in that time, you know, seemed admirable. And then we see her kind of get all of this access and privilege that she didn't previously have um, and squander it or take advantage of it or not appreciate it um, well, well, I as think, much as I think she part have. of the realisation, just to, just to interject a little bit, is that is that she was always the underdog in becoming comedian yeah. She had access to a ridiculous amount of privilege her entire life, though. Oh, yeah. No, that's not what yeah. I mean, obviously. Um, yeah. So, the fact that she has then squandered that a little bit or, yeah, not having the, the gumption that I thought she had. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there, there are reasons behind that. I think it's that's important that the story has done that. She, you know, she's had this serious career setback, um, had her ego wounded um, and refuses to really acknowledge that she fucked up. Um, all of that in theory is interesting. I think what I really struggle with the show, though, is in its construction. I, I'm I'm seeing the seams a little bit. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm unable for much of season four to emotionally connect with the story that's being told, which is a huge detriment for me personally 
Yeah. I think that's it's a big part of where I don't see it's funny. Is it is it because you say you're seeing the scenes, but also because Midge frustrates you? Like yes. you don't enjoy Midge. I it's funny how I'm seeing the writers behind Mitch. You know what sure, I mean? Like sure. I'm, I'm feeling that so heavily um, that she's like things like, you know, when she's beating the taxi or there's, there's certain things that she's doing. I'm like, she, I'm, I'm losing the, a, a solid connection with our protagonist, a solid. Well, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'd argue that the seat, a whole season is Mitch. Fighting against, she's fighting herself. She has the mm. whole season is what she's doing. Yeah. I mean, she's doing things like beating up on the taxi or d- going like the the one that the really I went over the top with. Was Mitch it the for, housewives one? No, it wasn't oh. that one. That was that was a bad miscalculation. That but was it wasn't the one. The one for moronic me was what it was. Yeah. See, for, I thought the Sophie Lennon thing was the bit I was like, "What mm. the fuck are you doing?" Yeah. It's like. You need to swallow your pride mm-hmm. for one fucking second. Yes. Yeah, should Sophie have come out and like gotten all uppy because you were getting the mm-hmm. applause or the laughter that she wants? Of course she shouldn't be. But you need to remember that this is more there are things more important than just whether you beat Sophie Lennon in that moment. As much as you don't like her, mm. there's an opportunity here for you not just to get your career back on track, yep. but also because you fucking need the money, which is what the whole season's been about. And yes. that was driving me insane. But but I didn't think for a second the show didn't understand that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The show wants me to be frustrated yeah. with 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 Midge at that point, and I was, and I still, mm. as much as I cringed at her doing that, mm. I also still enjoyed Rachel Brosnahan and um, uh, Jane, Lynch. Jane Lynch just doing their thing and being great yeah. because I, they were. Yeah, I think the, and once again, I do agree with what you're saying, saying and I agree that I, didn't think the show didn't know what it was doing or yeah. the fact that that was, the, that was the reason for why I was watching her say that ridiculous story in a room full of married women or that when she goes head-to-head with Sophie Lennon on her show when she so desperately, yeah, needs work and to get back on her feet and all of that stuff. The level of frustration I am feeling versus enjoyment yeah. is totally off balance this season for me. Sure. And I know it's not for you, no. but for me, it really was. It does the meta does the meta element of it make it any more interesting for you? Because that's talking to GJ about this. That was what was fascinating. We mm. we both had a similar experience with the show in terms of, especially by the end and the Lenny stuff when Lenny comes out and you know just says, "What the fuck are you doing? You are getting in your own way. Mm. It's not about like." You can't build your profile by just making sure you're only a headliner. You gotta just fucking do the work and mm. get booked and get fired and whatever it takes until you build up your profile. Don't waste this. Um But I only I don't see the context of the of the Gilmer Girls criticism and like and that this is the same thing happening again, but maybe deliberately reflecting upon that and like it's even self reflection on their part to some degree. I, I think find GJ's that really giving interesting. Them way more credit <laughs> than um No, I think it's probably just a change in both um storytelling style and expectations of character now in like from twenty eighteen to twenty twenty two now. Um, and also how wildly successful and kind of was considered crazy and like new 
Gilmore Girls was that like you wouldn't touch the formula. You know what I mean? Sure. But I think, yes, yeah, storytelling and audiences' expectations have changed. I think giving Amy Sherman Palladino and was his name Daniel Palladino? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, think that they're reflecting on um, the way they created and executed the characters from Gilmore Girls a billion years later. I don't think that's what's ha- what is happening. That's a shame because I really <laughs> like that thesis. Yeah, I like it as well. And when GJ writes that, you know, 5,000 word article slash essay, I'll certainly read it. Of course <laughs> I will. I love that stuff. I mean, you came out the other day. I was in the lounge room watching a five-hour YouTube film essay about uh, the last two seasons of Doctor Who. I'm all about that stuff. <laughs> um, but I don't think that's what's happening. But, you know, I very well could be wrong. How would you feel... Just as you, I was reading through GJ's thing again and just, and you talking as well. I was thinking about how do you feel if the way the show starts with Midge being the underdog because mm-hmm. she's the the wife that's been um, cheated on, she's on her own, mm-hmm. she's, you know, always been the funny one, she's always had that funny side to her and realizes that maybe she's a talent for comedy. And then as the series goes on, we realize. That may that she has all this privilege and all these things working for her, and she does everything in, to get in her own way. Mm. What if the way this show ends is with the realization that really that Susie is the talented one here? She's the one who has the ability to make it in the the long run, and mm. that Midge, for all her maybe natural funniness and all her woman's righteous fury that fuels that. She's not actually good enough to be a comedian and needs to step away from it and do something else. Mm. Like, would you be okay with that? Would that be a... Like, if that was her realisation, like, if she's like, I, I'm not good enough for this. Mm. I, I thought I was, but I am not. I can't make it in this industry because... Yeah, that's because, not what's going to happen. But, but, but like, it, I, I, I reflect on all the things that the show has been doing and it would be... I'd be surprised if it happened. But I also think that all the parts are there to add up to that conclusion. Yeah, I think with the way that the season ends and obviously the parallels that we have with Joan Rivers is she's going to be a a two, she's going to be the two hander like Joan Rivers was with what's his name, Johnny Carson, Mm. join that show and it's going to elevate her and create a really interesting dynamic that the country will get more comfortable with the idea of a late night comedian, whether she reached that point, because I'm pretty sure that was much, much, much later in Joan Rivers' career. I wonder that, but too, I yeah. think that's probably where her career is going to go in terms of being that the sidekick to what's his face, that talk show host. So, so do you? How would you feel about that conclusion, though? That she she doesn't get to be a star in her own right. She has to succeed in this career by being. It's not just that she has to be doing this, the warm-up act for these people anymore. Mm. Um, she Her career really only functions if she's a, a, attached a partner to attached her. to somebody else, particularly a man. Mm. Would that work for you if that's how it ended? Um, yeah, because I think that would feel narratively true, I think. Like, I think there's a through line enough there that she could find comfort in knowing that she is – at the top of her game, but realizing there is like a glass ceiling there that just isn't, can't be smashed right now, but still having a very successful and fulfilling career. It's going to turn to hacks. I'm just thinking about how like 
the the role she plays is not that she's the one to break the glass ceiling, but maybe she gets a little bit closer to help elevate somebody mm. else up the next yeah, generation like of female comics cracks. Yeah, to yeah. then start to push yeah. that, yeah, to break that glass ceiling. Yeah, that actually could work. I could see it going down that line. Um, okay. Uh, did you, well, do you want to talk about the, the Midge and Lenny of it all? Um, um, sure. Uh, what, do, what do I have to say about this season's version of that? relationship because last season had what i think is the peak of the midge and lenny stuff which was one of the sexiest fucking scenes or sequences of scenes i've ever seen uh on television yeah their chemistry is out of control good yep uh and this season there's a bit of that you know some cute flirting and stuff like that along the way and Mm. then finally we get to a thanks to a snowstorm and uh raid on the strip club that midge is working at Mm. uh they end up back at lenny's blue hotel room and do some very blue things they do i mean it's funny that it's it was less sexy than Mm -hmm. last season well and truly like but i think that was like such a peak that you just couldn't I think it'd be very hard to kind of replicate you that. Would, you would try to manufacture it and you could never do it, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Um I I like their little exchange of, you know, Midge wanted to really make sure that he understood that it's important yeah. for her to be considered a comedian no matter what happens between them. Um and he has to respect her humor. Um and that that is her value, not um her function as a woman to him. Um, so that was good. I really don't didn't want to see them in bed together. I don't know why. I was cause just I'd rather leave it to like the fantasy realm, you know what I mean? Cause then you see it, you're like, yeah, it doesn't look that impressive. <laughs> <laughs> it was all of about ten, not even that, five seconds, I think. Just yeah. for his line so he can say he'll laugh at the end. Yes. Run laugh the whole way through. Um yeah, it's funny. I kind of feel the same way. I, I really if if especially if you didn't say the bit about you need to remember that I am funny, mm. right? I would have actually been actively against it ever ha- happening at all. Mm-hmm. I'm less against that. I am happy for people who really wanted it to happen. They got it. I think it's a very complicated thing though to do it. With a real life yes. person, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, very complicated thing to do, and I, I do wonder how do you have to get like permission from this person's yeah. well, life? It's like in that earlier episode um, when Lenny mentions that he has a daughter, yeah, and I was like, does she watch this show? Like, mm. how old is she now? Like, do, does he have like grandkids that he never met? Like, wh- how does this work for them? Be very strange. Um, yeah, I don't know how all that stuff. I'm also work. surprised it happened at all. Um, yeah, me too. I didn't think that ever actually. The the la- the the conclusion I came to after last season's bit mm. was that they wanted to like acknowledge mm-hmm. that these two uh, have a ridiculous chemistry, sizzling on screen. Mm-hmm. But they're never going to go there. Yeah. That's what it felt like to me. Mm-hmm. It was no, like their way of saying, as much as you might want it, as much as we even might want it, mm-hmm. we're just not going to do it. And the fact that they did surprise me to some degree. Um, I don't. I don't dislike it again, especially because they put that the correct context for what Midge needed out of this. Mm-hmm. You know, their professional relationship to remain intact. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it doesn't undo last season, but I, if you just left it there, that there's something about the the what if or the mystery or the what yeah. never was that's yeah. Kind the of what more, never was is it's kind the best of more titillating and more like 
I don't know, is sexier somehow yeah. than the, oh, yeah, and then they did it in a hotel yeah. room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. During a snowstorm. Yeah. Exactly. And then she found his heroin. Yeah, like <laughs> I think, you know, I, I wouldn't have mind the continuation of watching their friendship. And we still will. I don't think the, the sexual um, nature of the relationship, which has now evolved. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I don't think it's no, going to no, be anything beyond just that one night no, that, that they that they had. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was it wasn't quite the climax I was hoping for. Like I like we said, like last season was it, and I'm happy for them just to kind of be always wanting to say yes, but never mm-hmm. saying yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there'd be a tragedy to that too, right? There'd be this yeah, thing like... Yeah, because, yeah, we know what happens. Yeah. And so, you'd be like, oh, damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just while we're talking about Lenny quickly as well, what did you make of the extended sequence of him performing at Carnegie Hall as well? I mean, technically, I thought it was an impressive feat. It looked amazing and I thought um, the performance was excellent i imagine it's I probably assume that's his real set right? i think that's probably a recorded set Which i thought there were even why... some deliberate flubs in there to make it seem like spot on the yeah. the actual flow of it i yeah. was like this feels this is in no way humorous like i don't even get the like half the jokes or why that would be funny the second time around was when i was finally like i actually understand what he's talking about because like, i was like this must be his real set and w- I guess would have been really funny at the time. I have no idea like where the jokes are in this. Like it was just going over my head. I'm like, what? But I but I understood that it was yeah of its time or whatever, and it just I didn't get it. I mean, it's 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 very interesting what he's talking about. His first bit about him just like, what if I just came out here and played the violin? Everyone's mm. like, yeah, I went to his concert and he just played the violin, mm-hmm. didn't do any jokes. That was quite cute. And then his bit where he's talking about like how. A white supremacist is going to is not going to give a shit about skin color if the person's a you know if it's a black supermodel versus a, a schlubbier white woman or something like that. Mm. I thought he was like that's a very interesting, cool point yeah. that he was making back in the early sixties or whatever mm. this is. Like he was always like yeah, wildly pushing pushing and, those yeah, those notes. But yes, it didn't it, because it didn't seem sharper somehow. Or more in like, because it didn't feel of the writing of the show normally. Yeah, exactly. It was like, well, That's this must was. be very authentic to mm. to what Lee Bruce is actually doing. He said it was, it was, and that was, it was interesting in that regard, almost as like a recreation of a of a performance or a moment in time. Or I don't know. I, I kind of enjoy that for what it was, though. It does go for, on for quite a while. It does. Yeah. yeah. Um, before we move on from Midge quickly, mm-hmm. unless you got something else you want to talk about with Midge, you probably don't. Um, <laughs> Is there any part of you for feels for her or where she's at or what she's struggling with through this season? Like, is there any part of you that empathizes with... Cause for me, it just comes down to she is... After the Shy Baldwin thing, she is too pig-headed to ever say it or, or act on it in a healthy way. But it just comes down to fear. Like, mm. she has been scared out of putting herself out there ever again. Um, do you... Does that ring true or does that does that work for you on any level? No, it doesn't. Um, yeah, it's – I get it. It's hard to sympathise with her though because she is given every opportunity. She is wildly unapologetic um, for the part that she played in her own demise. Um, she's always running around telling – 
people what to do or how to improve themselves. Um, living in a ridiculous apartment in Manhattan, wearing beautiful things, um, doing whatever she wants with her own life. I don't have a lot of sympathy for her. No, I don't. I get it. I understand the emotion behind it. Do I connect with that? No, I don't. Does it interest? Like, does it? In- do you find that that sort of character? Because I don't think they're hiding it. It's like she's insufferable, and I would I'd have a hard time being around her because she's mm. so insufferable. Mm-hmm. I enjoy her because because I enjoy the way she's presenting the show. But I think I I'm engaged with that that story because it's complicated. It's very human and like. She's full of um, contradictions, which people are. Yeah. I feel like the show doesn't reckon with it until Lenny tells her what's up. You know what I mean? Like, it really... I mean, she the first person she listens to is telling her to, to pull her head out of her ass. Susie does it multiple times, mm. but Susie's doesn't have that power of image anymore. No. Is the problem. They're too comfortable with each other. Um, they're sort of starting to go down different paths. And Susie's like always put her on a pedestal, which has made it really hard to actually totally manage Totally right. Her. Yeah. Whereas Lenny... Mm. Someone she idolizes mm-hmm. and has a connection with her in a way that Susie can't. Um, th- that's the person that finally gets through to her, mm. and it's frustrating, but it makes sense that it takes yeah. Lenny Bruce to do it. Seeing Susie frustrated with Midge, yes, that's not what I'm looking for from the show. I need okay. like a moment from Midge of like. A genuine anything. And I know that she's putting on a show and doing all this stuff. I would like a little bit more behind the curtain. Just a little bit more behind so the curtain. So when she's by herself in her room in episode two and she's having a cry mm-hmm. or when she's having a talk with her dad and they're like sitting down together and talking about the struggle of being artists or like there are moments through this season. And it to be fair, I've just refound them I go get, through see, my notes today. I get today. more from, um, what's his name, Abe. Yeah. In that interaction. I feel like I'm always getting more of someone else. Well, this season was I that, though. Everybody's in a better place yeah. than Midge this season. Which is why on, I'm not sympathizing purpose. with Midge this season. I'm not getting enough of her. And I get that's the point. Not a satisfying watch for me. <laughs> Susie, did you enjoy Susie's stuff this season? Yeah, I always enjoy Susie's stuff. Um, it wasn't, like, incredible, but it was nice to see her in that, um, office space. I quite enjoy the dynamic of like the mobsters that are there. Mm-hmm. I almost don't want them to like somehow fuck rip her, her off later. or fuck her off or fuck her over later. Mm-hmm. Cause I just enjoy this kind of like family dynamic that's happening in that office. Um, yeah, I thought it was cute. I'm not convinced that is going to happen. That's, I hope I, not. I don't know. Um, uh, Midge is the only one who's calling it out. I don't want to think for a second that Midge knows what she's talking about. Midge is, mm. you know, Midge is, is making a snap judgment there. Well, maybe that's her thing. Like, she assumes, like, May's family are going to somehow be bad um, and that the mobsters are going to be bad. Maybe she's just going to quickly learn that not everyone fucks people over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I really enjoyed Susie's stuff this season. I think the stuff they've done with Susie, it's like if you just wanted to, you could make a whole show just about Susie and Sophie, Sophie Lennon. Oh, and my like, God. I fucking love Sophie Lennon. That's a great show. Jane Lynch performance. It's just like such a ray of sunshine this season. Yeah. Oh, and has been ever since she's yeah, been introduced. Really. Um and I enjoyed all that. Like Sophie begging her and sharing her with gifts to come back and be her agent. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um 
Susie eventually just doing the getting her on that talk show, being a fucking excellent manager, like mm-hmm. really knowing her shit. I um, was so happy that like Sophie Lennon being like such like so incredible at her job and like you have the moment of nerves when she's on the show. You're like, fuck, I hope this isn't just disaster because everything we're seeing from midge has been a disaster yeah but then to see like sophie lennon get on stage and just absolutely fucking nail it mm-hmm. um from tip to top even yeah. when you see that she's a mess uh-huh off yeah exactly when That's she's not up there but when you know when, the professional yes who is able to compl- she's done the work yes yeah, as lenny would say yeah absolutely and then like i think it was funny again going through my notes season three it's been a while since i watched it there mm. was I, I had notes about when um Susie was side stage, I think, or backstage watching Sophie on stage when she was doing her theatre thing. And they had a similar thing this time when she was on the talk show. Mm. Um, I think it's Gordon Ford or whatever his name is. Yeah. And at the end of that, Susie's just gone. Once she knows she succeeded, she's not there to pat her on the back. She's Mm -hmm. not there to continue doing the work. She just leaves. It's like, we're done. The dead is over. Fuck off sort of thing. Yeah. I don't want to be a part of your life. I love that for Sophie. I love that she's building her little catalogue of... Weird misfits, but maybe extremely oh, Susie. talented. Susie, sorry. Yeah. Susie's um, misfits, but extremely talented, untapped mm. um, clientele. Um, I just would like to hope that she continues to succeed. I, it's weird, though. That's not going to be very satisfying if she just keeps going is great. Like, what? I don't see where her story is going next season because it doesn't seem like there's a lot of struggles unless it is that the mobsters are going to come in and like, or that like, is she going to go back into her gambling problem sort of thing, which I didn't find that satisfying to begin with. Did you enjoy the stuff with her being in debt to Joel? (laughs) Well, you know, I love a Joel scene. Um, No, no, I didn't like, I just, I want Joel off the show. Like I really am so sick of my, Wasting my fucking time watching his just his shitty fucking face going through shitty fucking things. I just hate it. I hate it so much. It was funny. We were talking about this again last night and was like, I don't hate Joel like I used to. And I was really like on the don't you dare fucking get Midge and Joel back together bandwagon yeah, no, in season no. like two in particular. Mm. I'm kind of the point where it's been so long. I, I don't care about that yeah, stuff that anymore, like, Joel. I don't feel like... I want to bash his face in for like hurting Midge or being an absolute dickhead like I used to. I just like I'm more angry at the writers for like forcing me to watch his life that I do not care about. <laughs> I care more about his parents than him. Like 100%. I'm fully invested in that. Like, I find them quite humorous and cute. Him super boring. His relationship super boring. Yeah. I kind of wish I I felt differently, but I, I definitely the scenes that don't work for me the least are the Joel and May stuff. Mm-hmm. For all the parts that I like about the show, about how like a play it is, about how sort of mm. fine tuned it feels like, rehearsed and like presented like it is. When it's Joel and May, there is something that's so artificial about it, that feels so so rehearsed. Yes. And the blocking is terrible in those, so often terrible in those scenes. I, I think it's the it's the blocking and the direction. Mm. I just don't know whether those two performers, either it's their chemistry together or just they're the right fit for this this material sometimes or this show. Mm. I think they're lacking, I don't know, it's so hard to quantify. What is it about Tony Shalhoub and how he does this 
I think it's levels. It absolutely is I think he's got more levels, even though Abe is such a cartoonish character at Mm. times. And Rose, too. There are levels to their performance Mm -hmm. a little bit. There's more believability in their, like... Cadence in their rhythm, yeah. but there isn't with Joel and May. It it's feels so monotonous. like bam, it's like, bam, 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 yeah. bam, bam, always at the same level. Like mm-hmm. it's it's overly cute yes. and overly written. They almost yeah because they don't have that levels. It's like they're bored with it. Like they're bored. Like they're just going through the motions of like mm. that conversation, but they're not living the intention behind the words. And so I just kind of get lost in those scenes in terms of like, I'm sorry, like I paid it, I stopped paying attention for like two minutes and you guys are still just like at each other. Again, like, and this is your criticism, right? That it didn't, the show doesn't have the, those quite enough moments, mm. right? Or that doesn't feel like a real conversation. But there are moments like that sometimes with, like, I would argue, there's stuff particularly with Abe this season and Midge together. There's stuff with Abe and um, Moish towards the end, things like that. I've right? had great stuff with both Moish and um, I can't remember Joel's mum's name. Like, I love yeah, that scene when, they, when scene. she was over at their house and it ends with her just saying, like, Oh, if Rose dies first, like I'm here or or something like that. And it was just, I don't know. It was just really lovely. I think, yeah, all those, the older actors, like, I don't know, are just very impressive and very watchable all the time. And with the, with the Joel and May stuff, they, it's never not up here the entire time. It just feels so artificial and fake. Mm-hmm. And, so many of the conversations about how Joel doesn't know anything about May or like the problems are like, I don't know anything about you. I don't know where you live or mm. I don't know your last name or you haven't met my parents and you don't want to meet my parents. And like, I don't know. It just, none the of it feels time, very deep. It's all very yeah, surface. About, yeah. The May meeting Joel's parents thing was so much that was the time. whole season. It was them, so dull. So incredibly boring. I, it truly shocked me. Um, well, that was I was going to finish with those, but we've, we've already done Joel and May now, so we can move on from him. <laughs> um, how about Abe and Rose this season? Well, like I said, I really enjoyed the... I had moments of really enjoying Abe's stuff. The Him starting at the paper, cute, mm-hmm. you know, finding something that it really enjoyed, super cute. Um, and obviously, we have those moments when Moish is sick and, yeah, lovely and just adorable. It's just... The, Cutest thing in the world. Um, Rose's matchmaking thing. For some reason, I thought they were going to do more with it. Like, it's all there. And obviously, the kind of parallels between her having career, Midge having career, um, her understanding that drive and purpose and all of that stuff. I thought they were going to do more in terms of, a, you know, personal realizations and deeper understandings. But I think instead, it's still to come. Yeah, but... You know, for what we got this season, it ended up being this silly matchmakers mafia thing, which I was like, I get what you're doing. Uh, I think there's a more interesting story here to be told. For for what it means between, if this is the bridge that helps, because it does feel like to me that Midge and Abe have sort of found themselves in a place where there's a bit more of an understanding and we're building towards that with Midge and Rose. Mm -hmm. This is is where it starts and it starts as conflict Mm. and... I think Rose is being ridiculous, but like that's because I don't her matchmaking thing seems silly to me anyway, and not helped by the fact that it is so cartoony and mm. over the top and like this old mafia thing they've got going on is is just a bit um goofy. But the but you you see where it's going to lead to. Yeah. I don't think it was helped though by 
I, I honestly, it, it was something and I don't think it was something I really liked. The mm. bit where Rose got hypnotized by the magician and was doing Midge's set. Mm. I kind of like, there was a few things that came out of that, that, that Midge found out that Rose had seen her set when she was doing her thing at mm-hmm. the um, at the strip club. And then Rose obviously knows that Midge is talking about the family the way that she does. And that's a bit humiliating for every, everyone. But they never really... Apart from it an awkward conversation there. afterwards yep. and maybe starting to them talk about how they both have businesses that are serious to them. Yeah. It didn't really amount to much. And I also didn't think that was a great midge in person. Like, it didn't buy that whole bit. I didn't no, find it very it wasn't an imp- Yeah, it wasn't a good impersonation. And maybe that was the choice um, that they didn't want to do that. Sure. Because it didn't seem like she was trying to – she was just doing a stand-up set. Um, but – what was surprising to me about that sequence of events is, yes, obviously Midge finds out that her mum has watched her. That set was one of the meanest, most horrible sets yeah. I've ever heard. <laughs> if I went and saw a comedian and their entire set was shitting on their family in like such like a mean girl way, yeah. I'd be like, this person's a fucking bitch. Like... It was so terrible. Like I was like, that's the headline is that Midge thinks the worst things and actively tries to humiliate her family every night. Like it was bizarre to me. Anyway. Um, I agree with all that. Yeah. The Abe stuff. I mean, there's a few things. That was it too. It's very, very scattershot. It didn't feel like there was a real like flow to Abe's season. He's, mm. he's had a bit more attention maybe than Rose in previous seasons as well. Um, like, with how he sort of lost his job and then trying to find find himself as a writer. And it was, a, it was a little bit more like these little mini adventures along the way. There was the stuff with Jason Alexander and like mm-hmm. them having to deal with the FBI to close the books on them, just, you know, lighting a fire in a public office or whatever. And then finding out that Jason Alexander and Rose dated when they weren't dating for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it lasted sure. like an episode. It, yeah, it was like an episode and a half. Um, then yeah. there was the bit where he did the critique of the play. Which I really liked the bit when they were in the at the bar mitzvah though, when everyone mm. started like calling him out on that. I enjoyed that sequence of events, him trying to explain himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Moisha obituary was obviously a big yes. highlight at the end of the season. I do also want to bring up, speaking of obituaries though, Susie's eulogy of Jackie. Mm-hmm. A character who was not a big character in the show, but was like Susie's only friend. Yeah. <laughs> outside of of Midge, really. And I thought Alex Borstein was fucking incredible in that. That was an amazing performance from her in that sequence. And a lovely love letter to that actor. Mm. And I imagine a, a close friend of everyone involved in the show as well. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Do you have any side notes to mask? Um, just a couple of little things. There's one moment in episode two where Midge calls Susie and she's like running around her room or something. And that scene has no purpose. There is, it, it has no rhyme or reason. I don't know why it's in there. I think it's meant to be funny, but without any jokes. So is there any, she's running in her room where she's done the weird feng shui thing yeah. weird. She's set up weird. Yeah. She's a mess. She's just calling Susie to complain about something. Mm-hmm. Where's and Susie at that point? Up. At home, I imagine. Oh, she's at home. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. I want to rewatch it. You shouldn't remember it. But I was just like, <laughs> I remember turning to Angela being like, 
what was that scene for? And Angela looked at me baffled. We're like, I have no idea. It was... As soon as we're done with this, I'm watching that yeah. scene. I want to find out what's going on. It's just bizarre. I really enjoyed um, Midge's description of the Twilight Zone. It was <sighs> very good. She um she pretty much, because Abe's obsessed with it. Yeah. And I think he asked her if she wants to watch it. And Midge's like, it's a stupid show. Like, I don't know. They wake up and realize, oh, my God, my life is a dream. Or, oh, my God, I'm actually dead. Or, oh, my God, I'm actually dead in a dream. Like, it's just kind of, yeah, just making fun of all that stuff. I was like, it's not inaccurate. Um, I hate the way the magician talks. I think I've already mentioned that. Like, with a passion, it makes me so angry. Also, the scene um, in episode one, I believe, when obviously they all go on the Ferris wheel. Yes. Um. None of them are in the same carriage, but yes. so many of those carriages have less than like four people that are required to be in that carriage. There's no way any carny or carnival worker in the world would let like almost a quarter of the seats go empty. It doesn't make any sense, particularly when they're all lined up together and they're not put in the same carriage or at least like most of them put in the same carriage and then you've got a couple leftovers and then you'll have straight. It just doesn't make any sense and it was infuriating because it's so obvious that they're trying to separate them yes on purpose so they can have this isn't this a wacky scenario which no it isn't (laughs) it doesn't make any sense but yeah they've separated them but yeah it's so contrived it really bothered me sure that's my side notes uh i've got a couple of moments and lines i liked Mm -hmm. i really enjoyed abe's theater cape uh, yes. He enjoyed it he and, did. I, and I enjoyed it too. I enjoyed it for him. Yeah. I did. And I enjoyed <laughs> when Abe was running from um, the mafia woman or whatever mm-hmm. it was, mafia women, and he had to go into the church yes. and take communion. He had a little tiny bit of Jesus. Fuck, yeah. that was so funny. I thought it was great. The way he, well, he kept it with him when yeah. it was, and they weren't sure what to do with it. Rose was just like, oh, put it in a napkin and we'll deal with it later. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that. So that was, was wonderful. Yeah. Um, the bit when... He runs back to the hospital. It's there's a I start with some eight bits. Um, where he runs back mm-hmm. to the hospital and finds that Moish is alive, and Moish is like, "You're hoping for a different outcome," mm-hmm. and Moish is like, "No, I'm fine with it." Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> it's just that mm-hmm. that was fantastic. Um, it was interesting bit also when they go to the theater. Just a little detail that I liked as well, and they they've been talking about this playwright, this kid they've known since they were going to the Catskills and stuff like this. And he he thanks his roommate. As being really yeah. important. I was yeah. like, I was wonderful. His, uh, little- roommate and dramaturg, I believe is what he calls him. Dramaturg? Dramaturg. Yeah. So they do um, all like, if it takes place in a certain era or whatever, a dramaturg would do all the research to make sure it's like accurate and like, yeah, research all the different elements of the play. Oh, right. But 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 the roommate thing was alluding to them being gay, right? Yes. Nothing. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. So I thought the dramaturg thing was important in that regard. Okay, sorry. It, no, it's a gay position. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. I see what you're saying. Cool. Yes, I, I was. No, like, I, it's not a gay position. I'm joking. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You can tell me anything. Yeah, that's like, true. Sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's a French word for being a top. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, I'd waited all season for Astrid to show up, and we do oh, finally yes. get. I was about her, to say, who's Astrid? But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Midge's sister-in-law, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and she finally showed up in the hypnotism yes. bit for that bit, which wasn't a lot of Astrid, no, but um, might a bit more. I would always want more Astrid in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I can't remember the actress's name off the top of my head, but she's obviously in Succession as well. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I enjoy all the stuff she's doing at the moment. Um, I honestly did. And you know, in I think it's episode one when they're talking about doing Ethan's birth, they're doing Ethan's birthday party and Midge mm-hmm. doesn't know what's going on. I was mm-hmm. like, there is a real chance here that Midge has forgotten her un- own son's birthday <laughs> and it would not surprise yeah, me if it happened. It would make sense. Yeah, We were arguing, well, not arguing, we were discussing yesterday whether Esther even was in this season. I can't remember seeing her. She is. She's in like one of the first episodes. One of the first episodes. Yeah. But it's, it's, I know. Because I think Ethan's like watching TV and I remember Midge like picking her up and saying something. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's that's good. I'm glad yeah. she remembers her own <laughs> fucking daughter occasionally. Um, a nitpick I had, a weird one. Mm. There's a line where Abe is essentially predicting the VCR. Yes. Right. The concept of that is fine. Mm-hmm. It was the word rewind that he used yeah. that I didn't like. I don't think that would be the word you would use to describe it unless you were already familiar with a v- uh, VCR and a VHS and like that's – I don't know when you would use the term rewind otherwise. Well, it would be – the process of rewinding existed like just with film though. But, okay. So if he's talking I about recording it onto film, then you would rewind it. No, but but it's like he says rewind. I think do you do you rewind film to reverse it though? Like you rewind film after you've after you've used it. Mm. But do you do like if you're say you've got you film something on I don't know sixteen mil or whatever, and then you're like I want to go back and watch that bit again. Do you rewind? I don't just wasn't well, you sure. Would I suppose re- you would. Yeah. But, I, I, I but also the guy who invented the word rewind thought that for a reason. So why couldn't that man be That's Abe? true. I don't know. There was something about it that made me think because <laughs> he specifically meant the idea that you could go backwards, mm-hmm. not that you could like re-spool it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, something, I understand. Something yeah. a bit of it just didn't feel quite or just felt a little forced to me. Real fucking nitpick. Unlike the guy who's magical now this season. <laughs> that, it was the term rewind. <laughs> Took me out of, out of the show. Exactly. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. Um, there was, I was wondering also, the character mm. of Elroy Dunham, which is the critic that mm-hmm. kept giving Midge bad reviews. Yeah. Um, I was wondering who that actress was. She was and we'd in seen And before. Just Like and That. Yes. As the rabbi. Um, mm. She was the uh, trans rabbi in And Just Like That. I think it's yep. the final episode of that mm-hmm. season. Season one. Highlights and lowlights. What was your highlight? Or my low light. Oh, your low light. Um, my low light, I've already mentioned the Ferris wheel situation. Yeah. But, yeah, that whole scene was a real low light. I was like, oh, no, this show's absolutely lost it. But also, yeah, the, the blocking of May walking through the apartment. I think she's, like, getting, like, a coat. She's about to go or whatever. Her and Joel are having a conversation and the camera is following her. Mm-hmm. It is so distractingly bad mm-hmm. how it's just poorly executed. It feels uses were many times, but it feels contrived. Like mm-hmm. I'm watch. It felt like a bad play, like a really bad play. Sure, trying to be interesting but failing. Totally, I, and that, I think that gave you the difference between why the when it works for me with other things, it it. It's a difference between it feels like good theater versus bad theater. Yeah, and that felt like. Bad theater. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, my low light is the Ferris wheel, yeah. <laughs> and it's and it's it's not because of the 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 carnies wasting seats. It's because <laughs> it was it was irritating. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think it was an irritating thing, and it was almost like the antithesis of what the show is so good at, mm. which is that flow, that yeah. rehearsed everyone working together inside a scene to make it happen. Mm. Instead, it's 
it's like, I think they were almost always a straight on frame. I think maybe there might've been a 45 degree angle they used occasionally, but generally it was always front on. And then you just cut, 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 Mm -hmm. cut, cut in a way the show doesn't normally do. And then maybe you'd get a wide of the Ferris wheel from- And they were yelling at each other. And they were yelling at each other. I was just like, this sucks. It was also like, for me, like trying so hard to be funny but not taking the time to write an actual joke there. You want to yeah. be like, isn't this a wacky situation? <laughs> I'm like, is that, it's not actually funny though. Yeah. There's nothing there to laugh at or really enjoy. Um, yeah, it just seemed really lazy to me. What was your highlight? My highlight, it's pretty much all of Jane Lynch, like Sophie Lennon's moments. Totally. I really enjoyed it. Like when um, Susie first goes to see her at the, uh, probably was called a sanitarium at the time, um, the mental hospital, just enjoyed her sitting in that chair very regally after having a, a breakdown. I don't, she just always makes me laugh. Like yeah. her and um, the, the elevator. The, like, oh, yeah. She's like, yeah. She obviously got up there somehow, but I just, I'm not acknowledging that, but just like just standing there waiting for it and then presses. Was it Mitch or Susie that opened that? It was, might have been Susie. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was Susie. That's right. Like pressing yeah, the button. Because it's up at the new office, yeah. yeah. The doors open. She stood in and just kind of like stared up at the ceiling of the of the lift and then Susie had to press like the ground button. It just, I don't know. They're, they're probably the only moments that actually made me laugh. It, sure. it was with Sophie Lennon. I did actually think about, give it to Jane Turner and Sophie Lennon in general. Did I say Jane Turner? You said Jane Turner. Jane Lynch. Jane Fuck me. <laughs> um... I'm, I'm going to give it to Alex Borstein mm-hmm. as being my highlight. And, like, it's almost like at this point just MVP of the show. I just yeah. think she is so solid at all times. Something we didn't talk about, actually, while I'm thinking about it, the bit where Midge took um, Susie to, a, like, a That's lesbian bar. That's what I want bar. to mention, yes. I, that was the one moment, I think it was episode three or four. Might have been four, actually, because I wasn't enjoying myself first three episodes. Then episode four happened and I, they spent some, like, friendship time together or like Midge this is seemed, what GJ was referring yeah, to in, Midge in seemed thing as well. interested in Susie. Yeah. Like um yeah, I thought it was really cute her going to the park and yeah, asking gentlemen if they yes. um might know a club for someone who's like her. <laughs> um, and then obviously oh poo poo, what's his name? I'm not sure. The man with the mustache. Oh, What's his name? Who the director. Was... John Waters. Thank you. Oh, my God. That was killing me. <sighs> Thank God. All right. <laughs> I have to come back. To... <laughs> I just love that John Waters was there, but just wearing his own clothes from home. Like, that's just what he wears all the time with like, his little cravat and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed Midge taking... Susie to the lesbian bar. Um, I, it was her most endearing moment of the entire show. Sure. Was the fact that she was very comfortable. She wanted her friend to be comfortable mm-hmm. and she was curious um, to get to know her a little bit better. And which Susie was just like, no. What, what the fuck? No. Like, <laughs> you think I don't know how to like get to a lesbian bar? This is where, this is my neighborhood, um, which is interesting. But we still don't have any kind of confirmation as to uh, her sexuality. At all. Well, I'm just trying to think, has Susie ever showed romantic interest or even desire towards a human no. being? That's the thing is like, I was like, you know, is she asexual? Is she repressed? Is she secretly is she 
gay? Is she mm. bi? Like, I we don't know. We mm-hmm. really have no idea. Um, and now, like, I, have, I really want to know because I thought she, you know, earlier days she might have had a crush on Midge yeah. because she was seemed so enamoured by her and she was on such a pedestal. Um, but that hasn't been the case from what I can tell. Though, if you know, if they got together in season five, would I hate it? No, I wouldn't. I'd probably cry a lot. Um, but yeah, I think she's just, it's just not a part of who she is. Yeah, totally. Did, I'm trying to think, did Susie used to react to being called a man or being called Mr. and stuff like that in the past? I feel like she's always just been used to it, right? Yeah, maybe she was always used to it. If, if not, she certainly is now. Yeah. Uh, just does not react anymore. I mean, the fact that she just wears that same outfit every day and that's that true. silly hat. I don't think she yeah, really cares about her, how she's presenting. Um, predictions, hopes, and concerns to finish this off. We've already sort of talked about predictions. Yeah, where we think they might go with Midge. Mm-hmm. I suppose Susie to some regard. This is the final season coming up, though. So we're talking about like where are they going to end? Where are they going to end things for this? Well, what's the end point going to be for Susie? Is it just her being a super successful? Mm. I can sort of see her being a super successful um, talent agent and just not being Midge's agent anymore and that being sort of how that ends up it's just like we can be friends but I am not going to be your fucking major anymore because you are unfucking majorable it's like you <laughs> won't let me do the job for you yeah. I think I do think that they're too close of friends for that relationship to be totally um, great for either of their careers um, but I yeah in terms, I think perhaps this season is like the slow setup for everyone else to be okay so that season five can be Midge's journey to being okay. Because um, when I'm looking at Maybe. Abe, he's got a career that he enjoys. Rose is on her way and she's not going to stop. Um, so I'm sure we'll have a bit of, um, what's what I'm looking for? A bit of fight back from sure. the other matchmakers. But like she's kind of found something for her to do. Joel's got his new partner and baby on the way um yeah i feel like everyone else is like a few steps ahead to being okay so the the Mm -hmm. last act of um season five will just be about midge getting on her feet again what about do you think there's a romantic conclusion there for Mm -mm. midge Mm -mm. There's no. nothing, not her and Joel, not no. her and Susie, no. not her and Benjamin, which I only bring up because I forgot this until I looked back through my season three notes. Mm. He There was a weird scene with him in season three, a one-off that I don't remember. Yeah. Um, that at the time I made the point of, that I, only, I remember this because I wrote the note. It's like, why is this here? This is a weird scene unless Benjamin's meant to be endgame. Could you see Benjamin coming back? Is Benjamin the camp guy? What? No, the guy from, from the cat skills, yes. Yeah, the, there was like the camp guy. No, she wasn't doing He was so massive because he must have been filming yeah. Shazam at the same time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He was yeah. so huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was it that show Chuck? Was that what he was yeah, in? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't, him, maybe- I just think that perhaps it's that's just not her vibe. Yeah, it's yeah. possible. Yeah, I think like, I mean, she doesn't even see her own children. I don't think she's going to be a great partner. You know, like I just don't, she's a career lady and that's her focus. Totally. And it depends. I imagine Lenny Bruce dies at some stage next season as well. Now that we've seen the heroine. He just. You'd assume. How does the show not do that? Unless Mm. it's pulling off a fantasy where he doesn't die, which, you know, it's not like Tarantino can do that with 
fucking Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and mm. and Django Unchained and shit He's like that. He's definitely going to die. You would, I think it's pretty likely. Yeah. Um. So obviously he can't be on. The, he can't be the romantic, long term mm. sort of situation. Yeah. I'm interested to see what they do with that. But you might. I, I would be surprised if it was just a non-event, basically. Um. Anyway, interesting. Are you mm. looking forward? To season five, knowing it's the last season, as frustrated as you were yeah, with this season. Knowing it's the last season, I, you know, I want to see where it ends. I, I really do. This season was not fun for me, um, but it wasn't like we've definitely watched much worse stuff. So it wasn't at that level. But, yeah, it wasn't as fun for me. But my disappointment is because I have enjoyed myself so, yeah. so much previously. So I definitely want to know how it ends. We uh, Something we talked about yesterday as well. I remember when Glow was announced, its fourth season was going to be its final season. I think we both sort of was like, this is good because mm-hmm. it's just starting to have diminishing returns. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, I feel the same way about The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. As mm-hmm. much as I do enjoy so much of the show and just how it's presented, it's like technical feats and stuff like that. I think, you, yeah, now is the right We're time. Where yeah. there, mm-hmm. diminishing returns are starting to happen. Let's get to an ending and finish stronger than if we did this for another four or five seasons. Yeah, I'm so upset that you mentioned Glow. It's just like, still I, upsetting. I forget about it and then I just remember how amazing Betty Gilpin and Alison Brie We were need to watch Raw. Show. I don't know if it's out yet or not. It's coming up soon though. That uh, AB, that uh, Apple TV Plus show, the... Is it the male one? No, Raw, the the male one. No, it's the, the women's stories one, anthology series with Betty Gilpin and Alison Brie in it. Oh, <laughs> R-O-A-R. R-O-A-R. I think meant Raw, like Raw Wrestling. <laughs> no. And I was like, oh, because oh, no. I, I know oh, there's I a man saying, show. <laughs> raw as in the... <laughs> yeah, R-A-W. I see what you're saying. Yeah, Because yeah. the women's wrestling with glow. I see what you're yeah. saying. No, um, yep, no, let's, right. not watch, <laughs> let's not watch R-A-W. Let's watch R-O-A-R. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick aka at Shawnee Boy Draws our theme song and bumpers from Luke's, Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club find links to their work in our show notes you can also find myself on Twitter at B Gordes B-G-O-R-D-E-S though I am trying to be on there a little bit less I'm trying to take mm-hmm. a break from Twitter I've deleted the app from my uh, phone really? yes um, you can still log in via like going through Safari or whatever but mm. it's way more tedious which is deliberate on my part to try and like not let me do it and you're not on Twitter at the moment are you? or you're no, I'm not anywhere um, or you can also contact us via social media at Hunting Cast on Twitter is your best option there. Our next episode, we'll be back to discuss Our Flag Means Death Season 1, Woo-hoo! which I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, if you do have any thoughts on that, listeners, we'd love to hear it. Mm. I think it's been um, very interesting watching sort of people discover that show mm. online and then start to spread the word about what makes it, it what it is. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I'm still waiting to hear if there's going to be a season two. I know. We're all waiting. We're all waiting. We're all waiting. Um, in the meantime, thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time. Unfortunately, we'll be on the other side of the country again when we record the next one. Bye for now. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.